0: It's I depends. don't love this like your discord's out of date I won't run. I know to that
1: shit is yeah. if, and especially especially well, i hit, so that hit me on arch and here's what happened Ba-dum. I was I was on air and I asked the discord room a question and then went down <laughs> to my <laughs> second desktop realized discord wasn't open which it normally is I was mm-hmm. like oh crap Well, let me just go launch that really quick. Oh, nope, sorry, you must update. Well, okay, it can't auto-update because I installed it using Pac-Man. So let me uh, update it via the uh, Packer real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, nope, can't do because, of course, dependencies are missing. Well, let me install that dependency real quick. Nope, can't do that (laughs) because that conflicts with something else you have installed. (laughs) So here I am on air doing a show trying to get Discord installed on Arch, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to install Solus. Hey, you want to know how I... uh... (laughs)
2: Oh, well, speaking right. about the one on Solus, um, we got basically a warning on Reddit from someone who was like, uh, there's a new Discord out. The the one that you have, it it's just stopped working. We're like, wait, what? You've pulled a Skype. Yeah. <laughs> so you just can't get into it anymore. It's, all right. Yeah, we'll go update it. This needs libc++. Okay. Oh, we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Which normally wouldn't be a problem, but libc++ is part of LLVM. And if you know anything about LLVM, it takes hours to build. <laughs> Like, it literally takes hours. Like, you, the way that we do the build, it also has Clang, it has LLVM, uh, now has libc C++, LLDB, right. LLD, all of that in a single tree. And it's also got to build it to 32-bit as well. <laughs> uh, all because it was like, yeah, we're going to use libc plus plus now. Why? <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so. Just why? <laughs> the the quick fix on Solus these days would just be <laughs> Snap Install Discord. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it is a snap.
1: Yeah, very good. I should have done that on Arch.
3: We didn't have Snap either.
2: <laughs> we were screwed.
1: This is Linux Unplugged, episode 210 for August 15th, 2017. Ooh, welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's literally reloading its Linux... Right before the show starts. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hello, Wes, and hello, Beardsley. Welcome hey. back. Hello, guys. We got a really good show lined up today. We have, of course, a few things to follow up on from last week, but before I address those, we've got to talk about a big birthday today. Ooh. we got a big, big birthday in the community. We have not one, not two, but three awesome app picks for you guys in this week's episode. Just some really cool open source projects that need a little attention. And then... The Internet's buddy, Ike, has stopped by the program today to chat about Solus 3, Snap and Flatpak support in Solus, and um, I might have a little thing or two to say about Ooh. it as well. Then we're going to do a little follow-up on the Slackware challenge. I, it turns out it turns out, I've been using Slackware a little more since the show, and I have a couple of more things to say about it. You're so, hooked. This is probably the point at which we should say this week we decided we are going to we're gonna punt the Gen Two challenge, just because neither one of us felt like we spent enough time with it this There's week. There's a lot there, and I and and part of my part of my problems, I kept using Slackware for a little while, and then I'm I'm doing good. I was like, okay, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to just mm. really get into Gen Two, and then that son of a gun, Ikey, hashtag blame Ikey, goes and releases a brand new version Drop. of Solus, boom, which uh, I I immediately. I immediately this morning somehow it was downloaded. just
0: on all of your USB drives <laughs> yeah. automatically. I, I have don't, it
1: right trick. here on this uh, th- thumbstick, right? That's the thumbstick right there, and I uh, I loaded it up on my main uh, Airmaster machine that we use to uh, send every every all the images and play all the clips and stuff out to the stream. So uh, I loaded Solus three. And uh, I'll tell you about it, why I decided to go with Solus for my uh, arch replacement on this machine, and all of that. So I think we just have a ton of really good stuff to get into. Really excited about the community news, the app picks, and having Wimpy here and Ikey are both back. I can't wait to chat with those guys. So let's start right there. Time appropriate greetings, Virtual Lug.
2: Greetings. How hello, do?
1: hello, It's good to see everybody. Um, I guess uh, it's probably pretty well known by now. Uh, I, it sort of snuck up on me but today is gnome's 20th birthday happy freaking 20th birthday gnome that's impressive there have been 33 stable releases since gnome 1.0 in 1999 god damn I am old holy crap you mean I was using Linux I was using Linux before gnome I guess that's that's wow that really makes me feel old anyways yeah. 20 years 20 years of gnome is being celebrated right now and a website's been set up happy Happy birthday, gnome.org. and they also have a handy donate to gnome button there and they have a timeline where the project really got started in 1997 which is about when i started to become a and
0: bonus. they've got that handy dandy gnome 1.0 virtual machine if you want to relive
1: yes the glory days and look at this screenshot too um you know i remember i remember thinking how badass it was that the icons and the menus had textures like the gnome mm. foot and the toolbox they have like textured backgrounds. Oh, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. <laughs> it is cool. I'm, I'm such a geek. Um I mean, that would
0: look just fine on your Slackware rig, Chris.
1: <laughs> and isn't that uh isn't that don't they call that uh that uh, that theme on the um control bars there? Don't they call that crux? Isn't that called I mean, that's where that's what I think of when people say crux. Anyways, they have a nice nice timeline at happybirthdaygnome.org. So, uh yeah, so what's what's interesting about that is there are other projects that I use today that are older than Gnome, like wine. Wine, for example, Whoa. is older than Gnome. Isn't that something? And, of course, Guadic just wrapped up, um, and you can find all of the videos from Guadic up on YouTube. There's probably a couple that would be worth watching, probably a couple that aren't. And... uh I don't know. It's just a, it's kind of a big milestone. Of course, today's the day I also switched off Gnome. Yeah. (laughs) So, at least on this machine. (laughs) But I'm still using the hell out of GTK, so uh, there you go. Um, I also, I I just, before we go any further, wanted to say uh, next week might be, might be just in Studio Beard and Wes. I'm not sure. Everything should be fine. But I am going down to that, uh, to the solar eclipse in Oregon, and I'm starting to like a little bit get worried about the amount of people that are going to that thing. Yeah. So uh, it could be a different show next week. I may be here. I may not. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting if you're going to get your butt out to the eclipse in the Oregon area and want to meet up with us. That's, that should be pretty good. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And then if nothing else, I should make it back in time to the show. But what I'm worried about is because I'll be traveling, I still might not really get enough time to fully deep dive into Gentoo. Mm, Okay. So when I'm you like let me know. I'm like worried that we might need to do a double punt, which I feel bad about, but at the same time, like the audience has been asking for a Gentoo challenge for, long for so time, long and it
0: deserves to be a good one.
1: Right. That's yeah. what I figure. It's like if if I so this week I ended up I ended up playing around with Slackware and then jumped over to Solus and like, "Well, wait a minute, I was supposed to I didn't really Gen 2 Like I got Gen 2 started, I got a machine cleared off yeah, and I got right. like that process all started, but I didn't really go much further than just getting started. I'm like, "Well, I need to run it as a desktop." No long
0: compiles or Yeah. It's okay Chris it's going to take slides. you
1: it's
4: going to take you about 2 weeks to compile KDE.
1: I'm going to put it I'm <laughs> going to put it on that uh $10,000 Dell laptop. Whoa. And I'm just going to let that thing rip through the the hey, uh, compiling it jobs. If if it, if it does users. if it does half as good as it does as of encoding video, I think I, I think I'm going to be fine. So Anyways, uh, that'll be so. That could be maybe we're gonna punt then the Gentoo challenge for two weeks. But then I was thinking that's not necessarily hundred percent bad because that gives people time to try it out too. Yeah, join like, us. Uh, what do you think, Beard? You want you want to do it? Nah, <laughs> not even
0: in a little little virtual machine. Uh, I like using
1: continue. my OS. I knew exactly what he was gonna say. <laughs> I just asked to have a good laugh because I knew what you were gonna say. I didn't even need to really ask. I knew what the answer was. Anybody in the Mumble room want to do a Gentoo challenge with us?
2: Come on, nope. guys. Nope. Busy on, doing data no, in. In. Gotta wash my hair. Oh. Can I claim to be above it?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else is busy getting things done. You bastard, Wes. You brought this
1: upon us. You brought this upon Who, us.
4: me? You dirty dog. Never. You dirty dog. Yeah. You called
1: me out it, during the outro music of last week's episode. The music was already playing. I mean, I had what? to say yes. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of a good... Re- it's kind of a perfect timing, too, because... It's going to be, in a way, going back to my roots. Yeah, right. And uh, that's kind of ideal when I'm sort of... I'm distro shopping right now. And right now, I'm seriously considering leaving Solus on the AirMaster machine. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean that's what I want to use. Like, that's that LTS Ubuntu has been working great for that. And this just it could work great for OBS, so...
0: Times they are a change
1: So yeah, happy birthday to Gnome. Sorry you guys, no Gentoo challenge, but we got plenty of other stuff to talk to with Ikey here and all of that. Did you also see, beard, that there is a new release of OBS today? OBS twenty, I think it is, came out today. I just saw the download come, I just saw the update come down. Um yeah, it's OBS twenty it just come down. And one of the things they're adding is like a totally dynamic reshuffable UI. Ooh, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. It's just really, it's really, they're really, that is an open source project that is getting, it must be huge in the Twitch crowd too. I mean, it's just getting huge.
4: Yeah, it's like every point release adds like a bunch of useful new things.
1: Yeah, and uh, I was just looking again for a new webcam
4: and uh, really?
1: like a Logitech webcam, yeah. and on the box. Now they're listing OBS support. Oh, that's
0: oh, that's really cool. That's big for the OBS yeah. project. Like, yeah. Logitech's
1: putting that on the box. Like, so congrats to them. So OBS 20 came out today. Lots of new features. If you're looking for a way to do a screen cap and live stream it, or even just record it to a file and maybe also attach a mic and do a voiceover with a lower third, you know, if you just want to even produce an instructional video for work, you could do it in real time in OBS. Instead of, instead of putting it together slowly in an editor... Just do it live, go through the process, like say you're, you, know, you, want to, you want to convey some to, to another another coworker how to do something on a server, just screen cap it with OBS and record the whole thing, with, attach your mic, and then you have an MP4 file and give it to them. And you don't have to use it to, to live stream your podcast network, you can use it for all kinds of things. Yeah, that's a great point. Be the next big Twitch streamer and uh, it's it's really gotten to be super competitive. As somebody who's followed you know these applications for years now and paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into alternative software, uh, Wirecast.
0: <laughs> right. Um. I mean, you can remember back when like you you couldn't quite switch yet, and now I mean, oh, yeah. it's come so far.
1: And now here are there with version 20. Yeah. They've come so far. I'm so proud of them. So anyways, you can check that out too. So lots of good stuff. But we do have some apps. I thought maybe we'd get into some of these. So let's... Uh, Let's take a moment to thank Linux Academy for sponsoring the program, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. It's a platform to learn about Linux built by Linux enthusiasts, and it's it really shines because it's all they do. It's what they focus on is Linux and everything around it from the low-level stuff up to the big-topic stuff. They have all kinds of different courseware depending on what you're going for. If you want something that's self-paced and in-depth, this is perfect. If you want something that can automatically nudge you a little bit to meet your goals, they've got that too. If you just want to get some certifications, they have courses created specifically for that. And check out this thing they've recently posted. I don't know if if you saw this, Wes. BuildYourOwnLinux.com. It's a site that Linux Academy uh, put up. I I don't know exactly when. It's new to me, so I think it's kind of new and it is a rundown of how to completely build linux from scratch using just uh the tools that come with the operating system and it's just a fantastic way to learn what all this stuff does how it's all put together it's just it's i mean it's brilliant you could go you know you could go uh do uh, Linux from scratch, or uh, do Gentoo? That's also an extremely, really educational process. But the nice thing about this is that it's recent, it's up to date, it's well formatted, it's well written, and it's extensive. Yeah, it's
0: long. It's uh, you'll you'll spend a while doing this.
1: Yeah, and they and they have it in. They've broken it down into uh, what are major sections. So they have six major sections, and then they have individual uh, uh like subcategories in there. This is really this is a massive post. So you can find it at buildyourownlinux.com. I mean these guys and gals are really, really just intensely passionate about Linux. That's why they started Linux Academy. And you can sign up at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Sign up for a free seven-day trial and support the show. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Thank you, everybody, for visiting there. Even just go in there and read more about Linux Academy. You know, let them know you heard about it here. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Slash unplugged. Everybody loves KDE Connect, even GNOME users. Or our Cuts KDE right, Connect, do. right? So this is why I was kind of uh, interested to see M Connect integration and KDE Connect integration for GNOME Shell via an extension. Ah, yes, very, very good. The KDE Connect uh, is a great app. Met the developer, just really smart guy, and just a really. Handy application, we just talked about it recently, is a, a way to dictate text into your into your Linux box. Of course, it allows file sharing, notification sharing, sending of text messages, all other kinds of features, <clears throat> like media playback control and whatnot. What? And uh, there is now an extension that takes all of those features of KDE Connect and builds them in in a real GNOME-like way. And... uh it uh, it does all the other kind of stuff you'd expect. Like if you send files, it'll use Nautilus to do the file transfers. It'll mount the share, the phone in Nautilus, and uh, it can use uh, if you have your online account connected to Google, it can use your Google account contacts to autocomplete SMS messages. This That's is so cool. This is a full fledged KDE Connect uh, integration with GNOME Shell for us GNOME users. Well, for I'm, you GNOME I'm users, I'm
0: going to have
1: to try that. We'll have a link in the show notes, Wes, if you'd like to indulge. You can check it out. And then, now we're getting into some of these app picks here. So that was the first one. Now, how about one for everybody? Windows users, um, well... That's not a thing,
0: Chris. Don't worry about
1: it. you got to wait a little bit. But everybody else, Linux and Mac users, you're good. You are good if you would like to try out Alacrity. Alacrity, Wes. It's got a powerful name. Alacrity. It is uh, it is the fastest terminal emulator in existence. It That's uses a bold claim. It uses the GPU for rendering. And why wouldn't it, Wes? I mean, you're sitting there with your terminal, just wasting your GPU away. Why wouldn't it, Wes? So uh, alacrity is. Not a,
0: everyone has videos to render, Chris. They just want to use their GPUs for something. It's, it makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. You got I me mean, just sitting there doing nothing. It's a cross-platform. I suppose if you have the free stuff, too, it would work. It's a cross-platform. Terminal based on simplicity and performance. You got a, you got a, you got like a thousand lines of text scrolling across your screen. Lag no more, my friends. It uh, it's also available for a uh, us soulless users and Ubuntu, Arch,
4: Fedora, and so SUSE. Can I watch a, a movie in this terminal now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the wait now, do you want it to be ASCII? No, or, uh, uh, it's GPU
4: accelerated. Why can't it paint a, an an image over the terminal?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could uh, submit a uh, oh, Chris,
4: a suggestion.
0: Is it, is it written in Rust too? Kind of
1: looks like it, <laughs> yeah. You I didn't believe in mention. I, you know that, what? You're, you're right. Traveling. I should always mention when it's. I should everything. Just, I, I don't know if you should, but you see by to. default. By I, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I just love pushing buttons of Rust uh, lovers.
3: And uh, if you sudo snap install alacrity dash dash edge, you can install it.
2: Look at that. Fantastic. Wait, this thing has soulless build instructions. Yeah, I, that's what I was I saying. wasn't interested before then, but no, tell me more. Isn't
1: that something? Right there. Isn't that something? Huh. Yeah, they thought... I
2: mean, it. I knew it had to be Rust because that first line. Mm-hmm.
1: They, I, maybe maybe they just figure soulless users are the type that might want a GPU accelerated terminal. Because, you know, that's going to be triggering some some listeners out there. What a, I'm sorry, what? A GPU accelerated terminal? What is it? Written in an Electron? No. It's rest. Calm
4: down.
2: Well, I might just have to package it
4: now. <laughs> you know, reading the uh, the about here, it sounds like they're taking the, uh, the GNOME approach of um, removing uh, features, though, because it says uh, the simplicity no goal means that it has no tabs. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't have such niceties as like a GUI configuration editor.
1: Nope, nope, it doesn't. However, it does have a nice YAML file that's easy to uh, follow and uh, with good sane defaults. Once your
0: GPU accelerated, why would I want a GUI when I no. could just use my super fast <laughs> terminal to edit my text file configs, Rikai? Ex-
1: yeah, I mean, it's obvious. This is, this is the way. I mean, why else? This is uh, Alacrity, and uh, it's up on GitHub if you'd like to check it out. I actually think it's, it's kind of cool. It, it's kind of, it's I'm actually, building it
4: now. Are you? <laughs> Man, it's even available on BSD. Oh, really? Well I mean they already did Mac <laughs> OS, so they, they kinda of put themselves in the crapper anyway.
1: Oh I did I didn't know they had three uh, D acceleration on BSD now. They must be doing that through the Linux emulation layer.
4: Probably. I would imagine.
1: <laughs> I I was uh I was uh, th- I was, uh... I was just teasing BSD guys. You don't have to write me. All right, so <laughs> that's Alacrity, and uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And then, are you ready for your third? Look how fast we're going through these, this you guys! Is amazing. We are really doing a good clip here, turning the show out. So I was, uh, I was, I started a journey. I, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned, I stuck around on Slackware. I was trying out, uh, trying out the Plasma Desktop. I was trying out. Uh, I also tried installing the latest Plasma Desktop packages on Arch before I reloaded Airmaster from Arch. So I've been, I've been thinking about uh, uh, what producer Michael has been saying to me for for months now. Is he talks about how he has a plasma desktop setup that's it's actually very kind of gnomish, but uh, it uh, it's plasma. And so I was thinking about like toying with that idea. Is that something I could really do? Is that something I could sit down and get a nice clean minimal plasma desktop, but still have you know. The, the performance of KWin and the 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 tools and uh, of like uh, I like KSnapshot a lot and yeah, right. console is one of my favorite terminals and you, you know. want
0: like a lean kind of run and config
1: yeah so uh, during this process which eventually uh, completely backfired on me but we'll get to that in a moment but like, during this process I landed on Latte dock. now I I have become a doc denier I am a doc denier these days I. I, I've got my Gnome favorites, you know, that come up, and that's a doc, I suppose, but I'm just, I'm over docs. They're an awkward use of screen real estate. They uh, they often are dumb. Like they hide even even, even though they call them hide and stuff like that, they hide when I don't want them to hide. And, you know, they're just dumb. It and seems then,
0: like we've kind of half all gravitated to just you had mash the super key and then, you know, yeah. your application yeah, appears. You know,
1: really these days, I, uh, what, I wanna, what I want is I want something that lists what my running applications are graphically and lets me click between them. And I want something that kind of outlines what virtual desktops I have and bonus points yeah. if i can tell what applications are in those virtual desktops and i really just need something that uh stays out of my way because i'm not really using it to launch new applications i'm not even going to probably except for a core set of applications i don't need anything even pinned in it because like you said i search i you know just run it so anyways uh in this process i came across latte Doc. and it's a dock based on plasma frameworks that is pretty nice. It's 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 animated a little heavily for me by default, but you can turn that down. And it has um, a, a pretty good tweak system that lets you set things that you would normally want to set for a dock in a really smart, intuitive way. Like what, what edge it's on, mm-hmm. uh, how it behaves, how you add separators. It it was nice. And you can right-click and you can lock things. It It's not one of these docks that prevents you from getting to the action items of a dock. So, like, if I right-click on Chrome, I still see open new instance, open incognito window from the dock. You can somehow put applets down there, although I didn't figure that out. It has really kind of a smooth feel to it. I, it, I was able to crash it a couple of times. Um, so I, I, I inevitably ended up uh, to not to decide not to use it on my machine that's on the air. But uh, I really felt like if I was going to go back to a dock... Latte Doc would be the one. It really felt like a. It felt like a. It wasn't like too compromised, it, but it wasn't overly done. It wasn't. It wasn't overly built. It was just. It was just really kind of smooth and straightforward. It. It has a couple of really nice features in the version that just came out four days ago. Version zero point seven zero. It has a. Wayland support preview, which is probably a good direction to go. It has a new layout editor, which I liked quite a bit. There is a new dynamic background uh, option that dynamically switches when a window is maximized versus windowed, which just makes it look really nice. That is, and
0: That's pretty sound slick.
1: Yeah, it, there's, there's all little things they've added that... Uh, uh, oh, 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 th- I should probably mention this one because it's my favorite one. An audio streams indicator is now built into the dock.
0: Oh. Yeah,
1: so you could increase, decrease volume, or even mute volume...
0: Right from the dock.
1: Yeah. That I really appreciate it. Maybe docs
0: are making their way back.
1: That's Latte Doc. Latte Doc for you, uh, Plasma Desktop users. I think it's pretty good. I, and so um, I, I got Plasma Desktop installed and I got it configured and I got Latte Doc set up, but. You know, it just doesn't—it doesn't quite click with me. It doesn't. There's something about the cute applications, the complicated aspect of them. the a lot of the little tweaking that I was going to have to do, and I was doing this an hour before the show started.
0: Not in your tweakiest mood.
1: I yeah yeah. I, I ended up I ended up deciding to just take the solace plunge, and I uh, I went and grabbed the uh, budgie ISO. And I, I etched that to a uh, to a thumb drive, put it in the machine, installed it, just just cleared out my old partitions and left my data partitions alone, and um, just went all in on Budgie right now. So we're set up. I'm on the live stream. I, I'm on Firefox 55 too. So, so not only did I switch Ooh. to Solus, but I switched to Firefox. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Why
0: would you want to stay still? That's just
1: nonsense. Uh, you know, for me, it was it was sort of the best of both worlds because I like the GTK applications. Mm-hmm. I I I am very familiar with GNOME settings and those settings applets. So they, for me, it's just sort of a nice sort of familiarity. Um, I like the new art and and look that we're going to talk about a little bit in the new version of Soul. So that's the other thing. Of course, it's a new release as well. Came out today. Um, so those all kind of played a role. But for me, what it finally was is it just seemed like. Well, I'm going to take a. I'm going to take a little bit of a GNOME breather. But this is a good stepping stone because it's it's all of the GTK apps that I know and love. It's all of the themes and icon sets that I know and love. Very comfortable with. Yeah. Super comfortable with the terminal. Comfortable with all that stuff. I, I'm. I've even learned to use current Nautilus files. Um, but it's it's things like it's Mutter and it's it's themes like the the size of GNOME Shell and all of these things that I've just added to it over time. It's not even necessarily all GNOME's fault, and so but the Budgie desktop was sort of this nice sort of stepping stone to not completely switching away from GTK, but uh, um, cause sort of stepping away from some of the things that have been causing me issues recently.
4: To wean you off of
1: it, yeah. And oh. so Latte Doc doesn't really have a spot on on a GTK desktop so much. But uh, if you were if I was going to go to a Plasma desktop, I think I would I would consider replacing the main panel that, that the Plasma desktop yeah, uses. I can see that being that. very nice, yeah. Um, but so we we do need to talk about Solus though. That's the, we sure do. We, I think we have we've talked enough about uh, community updates and and app picks. But if you want to see any of those things we talked about today, we have links in the show notes. Latte Doc also kind of cool is one of those uh, useful Plasma applications that you can actually just install from the from the Plasma Store, quote unquote. Um, and I and it's kind of sort of distro agnostic, which is which is pretty cool. So you can uh, just you don't necessarily have to go find the uh, show notes. You could just search around in the uh plasma desktop or whatever they call it store and uh install it there. How about that, Wes?
0: That's so easy.
1: How's your build going?
0: Uh it's still building. Is it? Well <laughs> I think I'm installing I'm installing a bunch of Rust dependencies now. <laughs> it's a wild ride. Ah, good,
1: good. Well I'm glad. See I got I have installs going in the background right now. You've got installs. Yeah. This is one of those episodes where we're, we're installing Linux users, so- damn it. Yeah, we're installing our software while we do the show today. Um, and you know, hey that's what's part of the fun. That's, right. that's why There's we so do it. so much
0: fresh, open-source software right at our we fingertips. Love, we love I'm it. I'm drunk on the power.
1: We love it. And you know what? There's more and more software coming, and uh, some of them are getting wrapped up now in these universal package formats. And... uh Ike and the Souls Project just announced support Ooh. for Snaps, along with flat packs, which already existed. But it's not just like baby support. It's full, grown-up, proper sandboxed support. So we're going to talk about that with him, and uh, we're going to pick Mr. Wimpress, uh, Wimpress's brain as well, because I believe there was a little cross-collab involved to get some of that stuff working. So I want to figure out what all of that was and get the scoop on that. So let's take a moment and thank DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com. Go over there, create your account, and then use our promo code of all. Ultimate power. DO unplugged. DO unplugged. One word will give you a $10 credit over at that digitalocean.com. Now they got a $5 rig. $5 rig. For $5, you could run that rig two months for free with our promo code DO unplugged because they got a $5 rig. That's nuts. I can't even get a burger for $5. Ew. I might be able to get the fish sandwich for $5. But what, you but know, do you want to? Uh, exactly. But you know what, that $5, oh, much that better $5 spent rig. over DigitalOcean. Ooh,
0: premium.
1: You can spin up a droplet in less than 55 seconds. All SSDs for the hard drives, 40 gigabit connections coming to the hypervisor, Linux for the server. They have KVM for that hypervisor, which is brilliant. They have a dashboard for days that's super easy to use. They have an API that's straightforward, brilliant, and it's so well developed that they use it themselves to build their own systems on top of DigitalOcean. Then they have all kinds of really crazy advanced features like block storage, and they're they're working on object storage right now. They have firewalls that deploy at the network level so the traffic you want to reject never even reaches your system. They have load balancing as a service, monitoring and alerting where you get metrics and alerts when things go down. And, of course, they have entire stacks of pre-built open source applications ready to go with a single click or... You know, you can just build it from scratch yourself. I
0: was going to say, does that sound too easy? Don't worry. Mm-hmm. You can just install FreeBSD, free <laughs> yeah. figure out what you're doing, and uh, yeah. you'll have it by the end of the
1: week. Yeah, if you get stuck, uh, you just uh, email those uh, BSD Now guys. This is the way I go, is when I'm just trying out something, like either for the show or I want to play with something or a new release of a distro comes out that I want to throw on a server, they have a three cents an hour machine three cents an hour machine easy to justify that is that is and you then just if, find some spare change in your couch yeah
0: throw it on the floor
1: well do unplugged yeah you get the ten dollar credit you could run that three cents an hour you could get that for quite a while and you know you could you could destroy and create a couple of machines in that time it's great it's just so much fun to play around with too or to put it in production they got data centers all over the world so you get something nice and fast wherever you, your users are at DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code D-O-Unplugged. Big thank you to DigitalOcean. Also, while you're over there, go over to their community section and look at the open source projects built around DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code D-O-Unplugged, D-O-Unplugged. So, Ike, welcome back to the show, sir. It is really good to talk to you, and uh, I don't think you've been on the show since you've gone full-time either, although we talked right before you did go full-time, but congrats on the transition. It looks like uh, time's been well spent. (laughs)
2: Well, thanks for having me on. And yeah, thanks for the grand congratulations.
1: Solus 3 is out <laughs> and I got it loaded right here on my machine it's and pretty sweet looking. it is looking really great. So I I guess let's start there because that's like the big that's like the big story. I, I noticed that you got Firefox 55 in the sucker and man is that fast, but um I didn't realize this before and I guess last time I tried Solus I just maybe didn't notice or I forgot, but Solus 3 is using the Linux LTS kernel. And that was actually what pushed me over the edge because I've been thinking more and more about using LTS core stuff for our production machines, but having faster moving applications like Chrome and OBS. And so when I saw you, the, the fact that I could pin it to LTS,
2: which is the default, I could use current, but it was, it was pinned to LTS. It's default on the existing ones. So, so, so in the this. new ones, it's, so we have two kernel branches. I mean, back in the old days, pre clear bit manager, we just had one kernel and it sucked. And if you updated, you were screwed. <laughs> and then we spent ages. I mean, basically it updated the same way as arch, right? We know how that goes. Uh, my modules are gone. It was that same story. But nowadays we have Linux current, Linux LTS. Linux LTS basically follows Greg's branch. Right. Um, so that's going to update again in September to 4.14, and then it's going to stay on that for a long time, yeah. and then it'll update again. So users can now freely have them both installed, and then they can go between them. We've got all the NVIDIA drivers for both of them as oh. well. So you you can quite happily, you don't have to build them. There's no DKMS, none of this, you know, pixie blood crap. You haven't got to go through that, so you can just pick either one of them. This new ISO is defaulting to the Linux current branch, which is basically the stable kernel most of the time. Right. But there might be times when we say, eh, we don't want to update it. So we're not gonna call it Linux stable. So are
1: you saying with Clear Boot Manager you made the switch from shipping LTS as default to shipping current as default?
2: Uh, no. Y- yes and no. <laughs> so the, the ISO itself is now using the Linux current package, mm-hmm. which means it's on four point twelve point seven. Right. But because we now use clear boot manager, you can use either. We can have I as many kernel right, series as we I Which is what go. I opted
1: to do. Which I think is great yeah. because, and then all the you have the you have the appropriate NVIDIA packages to match up. So it was just so really easy. Yeah, it was really straightforward. Uh, nice. So okay. So I just that was something I really like. Okay. Now I'm now you know what I'm going to do the LTS kernel. I'm going to go with that. Um, so let's talk about some of the stuff that's in that kernel that uh, that made uh, snap packages possible. Let's start there maybe because I think didn't you have to make some pretty low level changes for the sandboxing support? Must have required at least app armor.
2: Yeah so that basically there are there are apparmor patches that have gone up for 4.13 and 4.14. Uh the canonical guys are very diligent in getting all that stuff upstream but you know that that stuff does take time. Uh, a fair amount of it has gone upstream but it's it's not all there. So for the two kernels I've backported from uh, Zesty and Artful. I've basically backported their implementations of apparmor which are the future upstream ones. Which means that Solus is now using the exact same implementation of AppArmor that Ubuntu is using. That's bad. Which out. Wow, yeah. also means that we're the only overdish at the time of saying this. <laughs> I want to be very specific about that. At the time of saying this, we're the only non-Ubuntu uh, Linux distribution to have full Snap confinement, like
3: as a like for like with Ubuntu. Right. That's awesome. Well, Debian Nine has it as well. Well shipped
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: how did this come about so um
2: okay, well, it's his fault,
1: well, I thought so, but uh I mean you're also uh i you have your position has evolved on this, but for some people listening to this show they'll rem- they'll remember you as the anti flat pack anti snap guy,
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean i I'm, you know, like the whole thing about having the angel and devil in your ears, right? Sure. Um, Wimpy has become the, the angel in the air, and I've got about four of my own devils in the ear the whole time. Sure. But uh, when we first decided on it, I mean, it was, it was a long time ago when the whole debate started coming about, and it took a long time for facts to change and facts have changed, you know. And there's certain things would have accelerated it, you know. But now Snap is looking to be the agno- agnostic platform that everyone needs to support. Now, from the Solus perspective, when we first went for a flat pack, it was basically replace the aging crappy third party, which you had the pleasure of enjoying recently. Yeah, it
1: is a bit, um, of, a, it is a bit of an uncomfortable end-user experience. It sucks.
2: It sucks. So you want something that's, you know... Something that just works for the users, you know, like minimal friction. And when we first said, "Oh, you know, we're going to go for flatpak," it was we wanted the least invasive change. And and I guess it was basically bang for buck at the time with least amount of. Uh, right, uh, you were, you were getting months.
1: it, you were essentially getting it with GTK. To it yeah, 3-2? it was
2: that gnome world, wasn't it? You yeah. know, you bring in OS tree. Well, that depends on Glib. Well, we have all this stuff. You know, that would have been easy enough. And it's a C gnome library essentially. But I mean, since that time, and um, it's got to be six plus months, eight months or something like that now. It, it's, it's changed a lot. And nowadays, pack is more about these runtimes, very much about these runtimes. But as a vendor, I mean, we're effectively an OSV. We have no say. We have no influence there. And there are times when we're going to want to add value. So you can imagine, to draw a parallel, if you're a Samsung and you're manufacturing Chromebooks, you're going to want to add value on for your customers, right? You're gonna want that value add not just shipping that. We want the opportunity of we're doing things with third party applications to actually enhance that and do cool things, but say I, with the Solus runtime. I, I
1: want to pause you there. So cause I think that comparison will probably make a lot of people sort of uh wretch a little bit. Um, because it sounds yeah, like I you're just talking about value add,
2: right? So yeah, Right. so, it, but, so, so about... Was,
1: what about using Discord as an example there? Because I think Discord is an example where a lot of distributions sort of just got screwed a little bit. Mm. And I think, I think if you are, like, this is what I was thinking, Ike, is the thing about Solus is you guys are really on top of packaging. When you do decide to package something, like, you really think it through, and it's you commit to it. Um, mm-hmm. So Discord was pretty quickly fixed, and it, there was a dependency that Discord all of a sudden required, and of course, it also required to be running on a current version. This is, you know, this is the way these things go, especially new applications, especially for vendors that are still learning how to support Linux, and... In my experience, Solus handled that pretty much the best and was able to get the additional dependencies bundled in there and shipped and pushed down to the end users and fix the
2: problem pretty quickly. But it does kind of raise the argument for, I mean, there is the whole thing of if you're an application developer... I mean, we all like to give them a lot of problems, you know, like, um, they're not bringing this stuff over to Linux, but there is the whole part of which Linux do you target? Mm-hmm. It's like the joke I made about Solus, which arm would we target? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of the same for which Linux would you go for. So giving them a common target that they can all go for that just happens to run on all the Linux distributions, it makes a lot of sense. So. I'm not interested in in terms so much of the open source software because, well, you can distribute that anyway. Sure. But stuff that we can't distribute, um, to give an example, I can now, well, bad example, but I can run Nextcloud on my local box for testing through Snap. And that's all fully managed. That's not something we're ever going to package in Solus. How would it change in-
1: Chrome? Like if, if if there was an official Google Chrome mm-hmm. Snap or Flatpak, how would that change mm-hmm. distributing that for you?
2: So, I mean, it comes straight from the vendor. Which is a great thing. And in many ways, Snap operates a little bit like a packet manager anyway, in, in terms of there are indexes and there are updates and there are these blobs that it goes to fetch. When we do it now, we've got to go to our third party repo and effectively mark the new URL for the original dev file and then put the hash in there. Mm. That's, you know, basically some said, I tried to install Chrome. It failed. That's how we know. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, that really, really sucks. So there's no update. There's no automatic update for it. Snap kind of takes that away in that the software vendors can be responsible. I mean, regardless of the application, they can be responsible for when their stuff goes out. They can test it themselves before it actually gets to the distributions. Mm -hmm. And there are built-in update mechanisms as well. So being able to swap out the hacky, us-tracking-it stuff versus these vendors that want to put out their own software and say, well, this is what you're getting. Then it, it takes the pressure off of everyone in that circle.
1: So, but it, going back to Flatpak and Snap, one, one of the things that does sort of stand out is it sounds like to do full fledged, proper, big boy matching Ubuntu Snap support. It was a bit more work than Flatpak because you just sort of yep. you sort of just got Flatpak. Uh, reflecting on that, did did Snaps? Focus on not just desktop, but also including server software. Was that a motivating factor here? Because well, I mean, traditionally that'd be a weaker to... area for Solus, right? So if Snap, yeah, or desktop, yeah, but this could sort of fill in gaps that Solus has right now. That uh, you know, if some user wanted to run, say, NZB on their uh, Solus system, and there's a Snap for that,
2: problem uh, <laughs> solved. <laughs> There's a snap for that. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of it's Martin's fault. I'll quite happy put the blame on Martin with yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, there's stuff that we can't distribute, but not only that, there's stuff that we won't distribute. And that that was the angle that Martin was taking. It's like, there's going to be stuff that your inclusion policy is just not going to go for, but some people are going to need. And from the Solus perspective, it's sometimes it's going to be a bit like a get out of jail free card. And instead of just saying to people, no, no, we're not putting this in. And then everyone's unhappy. It's like, however... You know, there is this other approach that you can go, that you can go the Snap route. And the the other part of it is that basically the the Snapcraft and the Ubuntu teams have very much been there over the last few days. And I think we started on something like the Thursday or Friday or something like that. But yeah, in the end, we, we managed... We started the first day I got back from holiday. <laughs> yeah, and it was like two days later, we got to the point where we actually had the, the first kernel patch. Hmm. So it was the Linux current kernel. And we had the full confinement. And on the next morning, we then had compatibility with classic confinement as well. What is So without that help.
1: (laughs) Wimby, can you explain the difference between confinement and classic confinement?
3: Okay. So um, there's three confinement models. Uh, There's dev mode, which is what you start with when you're creating your snap at the beginning. And that tears down much of the confinement. And then when you actually want to publish your snap, you've got two confinement options. There's strict confinement, which means the application is entirely sandboxed and only has access to the things that you define via the Snapcraft YAML. So think of it like a firewall. You've got this application in a sandbox. This application needs access to your webcam. So in the YAML, you tell it it can access the webcam. And there are dozens of interfaces to give applications discrete access to different things on the host operating system, um, usually hardware devices. Um, And so when it's strictly confined, it can only access those things that you've prescribed it can access. Um, And it can also only access files within its snap, or if you add a home interface to a sandboxed uh, portion of your home directory, so even if you have the home interface enabled, you can't see dot files and dot folders from the snap, and that's to prevent the snap being used to maliciously get at right. you know GPG keys and things of that nature. Hmm.
1: So, so um, what, what was re- so what was required? Sort of uh, <clears throat> on the back end, what is missing? What is missing for Linux distributions to support this?
3: Well. To support what exactly? This confinement. Um well uh, that you need app armor basically. Is that
1: sort of the more controversial thing about this? Is that some people just not, don't want to roll n- app Not armor? so
3: much. No? I mean OpenSUSE are using App Armor. Yeah. Ike was in the position where he hadn't uh, chosen an LSM at this point. So I has he nailed- Linux? <laughs> well, that, that helped <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs>
1: what NSA they make great software I mean, I
3: <laughs> but um, part of the problem is that classic confinement is basically allowing a snap to run pretty much without any confinement whatsoever hmm. so there are specific use cases for classic confinement oh, so okay. for example um, a that we mentioned earlier is a classic snap because it's a terminal and it needs to execute shell commands from arbitrary locations on your hard drive so that means no confinement. So it has so well it has to have no confinement over what it can see on your hard disk because it has to be able to execute mm-hmm. arbitrary things mm-hmm. um, and compilers you know if you want to snap a language or a compiler that almost certainly has to be classic for the for the same reasons so But then the the, the trick here is the way that SnapD works is that um, snaps and everything to do with snaps sit under slash snap in the root of the file system. And some distros have elected to not follow that requirement and relocate snaps elsewhere on the file system. And at that point, it breaks the opportunity to run classic snaps at
1: all. Mm. Okay. So this, uh, to me, to me, it seems like it's maybe just a little, uh, it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little confusing because there's a lot, there's a lot of parts there, but it sounds like pretty s- simply, simply put, if, if, if it's done, if it's done properly, you can have, you could still have a, you could have a system that fully, fully supports confined snaps, but the snap, if set up, could not be confined, Yes. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so what was behind the scenes? What was the work between, say, yourself and uh, Ikey to get this working on Solus?
3: Well, I, I, um, I've i really been a glorified cheerleader in this whole process <laughs> um, <laughs> and a go-between. So uh, I think I heard Ikey say on um, Late Night Linux a few weeks ago that he was open to um, using snaps. And my ears pricked up, and I thought, <laughs> no, oh, interesting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, like
3: I immediately got on Telegram. <laughs> Hello, Ike. <laughs> how are you? Uh, and we started <laughs> to have a conversation. And then uh, I had a chat with uh, some of the guys at work, and we identified a few people who would have some time to assist. And we waited for Ike to uh, make his transition to working on Solus as his full-time uh endeavor and then ikey got busy doing his release business and then last week we made the introductions with ikey and the other guys in the team and uh i was basically just standing on the sidelines applauding and cheering <laughs> enthusiastically at that point
1: i i loved how it came out ikey you know uh it, it starts with the it starts with a google plus post and I, and I just sit there and I go, this this son of a bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you did it. <laughs> well, I did drop hints to you on the last time I was did here. You, I you... sort of dropped hints that it, yeah. it was sort of in the back of my head. But yeah,
1: <laughs> well, uh, I have a habit of doing this. So as an end user now, uh, is there really anything I do? Do I just is snap is snap installed on the You have already? snap installed already. Yeah,
2: okay. Well, there you go. So you can just do sudo snap install brave dash dash beta. Oh, brave, really? Yeah, so we wasn't really looking forward to packaging Brave for it's, like, uh, it's another thing. It's electronic.
1: So the syntax is sudo <laughs> snap install. <clears throat> yeah, Brave, like, Brave, and then dash beta dash dash beta. Is it dash or yeah, dash that's dash right. dash it's dash beta? Dash beta? <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm a noob. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I've, I've yeah. installed a couple of snaps, but not many. <clears throat> there we go. But it's downloading well, right now. That's
2: a good example because it's fully confined. Oh, And it will also use the OpenGL interface as well, which means that we've actually got a couple of fixes going in at the moment. Uh, We're going back and forth on the pull requests. But some of the stuff, like the way that we have the OpenGL libraries on Solos, is laid out basically the same as they would be on Arch Linux. So the stuff that we're doing now, because we have the full confinement, we're finding bugs that Arch Linux will have, by the time it gets <laughs> full confinement. So
3: we're fixing their bugs before they happen, well, which is kind cool. Very that's nice. Nice of cool. It's nice.
1: Yeah, that is nice.
3: Of you. This is another advantage of getting what is probably and I mean this with love, Ike, the most <laughs> foreign Linux distribution yeah running snaps <laughs> because you're you are trailblazing in many ways. But it's a you very are going opinionated to, Linux. <laughs> yeah, you're so going will... to bump into things, yeah.
1: will it will it show up now in my uh so how does they that show
3: work? up in your menu
1: does it now if I but I do brave I see nothing I see nothing I see nothing but if I can come... uh,
2: if budgie menu is being an idiot then oh. you can use another feature uh-huh. of budgie alt and f2
1: oh alt f2 aha uh-huh. I see yes I need to learn yeah. that that's going to be my new favorite feature I do need yeah, to learn that. That's great. Brian
2: from the Solus team told me that I had to tell you that. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> so that, I've been looking to slip that one in. That is really
1: good. I really do like that. All right, so I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm not seeing alt. So it's alt F2. Oh, there it oh, goes. There we go. There
2: yeah, then just type in Brave and it should be there. Be brave. Yep. It
1: just it just f- it just popped up.
2: Yeah, the first time you launch any snap, it takes slightly longer um because it's setting everything up in the back end you know like uh, for the next time it runs it's got all these policies and everything but the next time you run it it
3: should basically be instant yeah and that that uh first run latency is something we're addressing as well so that Mm. will go away in time
1: what a perfect way to play with something like brave this is because you just if you have snap support you can you can do that same command and you can be messing around with it and it's this is this is probably, you know, a browser is a perfect example of an application that should be confined. Well, you can test the sandbox in
2: though. So if you go on right-click on something and just to do like a save as to mm-hmm. get the file dialog sure. to pop up, okay. try navigating to one of the folders that you're not allowed to go to. Right, so so yeah. like your root folder or back into your real home folder.
1: Sure. So we'll go, let's try going to uh, <clears throat> other locations, computer. Oh, yeah. No, it's basically to screw you. You can't go there. Interesting.
3: Fully sandboxed.
1: Interesting. In fact, yeah.
3: Now this is this is an interesting uh, notion: this sandboxing of browsers. Because if you've ever run S Trace whilst um, you have what, if you've had you got um, Firefox installed and you start Chrome for the first time and you have s-trace on the chrome process you will see chrome going grubbing around all over firefox looking for stuff really mm. and if they <laughs> now if you've got these in sa- each of them as sandboxed uh, snaps then you can't have that happen so i know so
1: that's interesting sorry to interrupt i i noticed though so uh um what about theming support, guys? what What is the what is the story there? I I, I went, finish your thought if you were if you're going to finish something, but just after you do finish it, I'd be curious to know what the what the story is with theming.
3: No, no, I've I've made my point about um uh, you know stopping applications from you know snooping on one. Yeah, that is other.
1: really nice, yeah.
3: Um, but uh, in terms of theme support, that was something. So a few weeks ago, we had a a sprint in London, uh, a snap sprint in London, and there were a number of people from. community invited to that from you know kde and elementary and uh gnome and all sorts and one of the um uh tracks we did there was how we're going to improve the theme support and that's currently being worked on so we did the design there and that's that's in progress that seems like a
1: challenge that seems like a real challenge if it's supposed to be isolated and all of that i mean that
3: seems yeah there's there's a number of cool new bits of tech coming uh, to make all of this magic happen. But we, we fleshed out how to handle uh, themes, fonts, and icons in a way that you can uh, interconnect them and what have mm. you. Mm. Um, and so something that Ikey and I have discussed, and so what you need to know is... Ike knows things he can't talk about <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> and I heard him it's interviewed so on another podcast <laughs> a couple of days ago, and I could tell that Ike wasn't sure if this thing that he knew he could talk about or not. <laughs> no, as it happens, he can. <laughs> so Ike was interviewed on Ubuntu Fun uh, podcast, which is a German language podcast. But fortunately, Ike was interviewed in English, mm-hmm. uh, which I can just about cope um, with. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And uh, one of the things that Ike was alluding to, he was just talking about how Solus could add value to the Snap ecosystem. (laughs) Um, And he wasn't able to articulate what he meant exactly. And I'll I'll explain. So at the moment, when you install a Snap for the first time, a core Snap gets installed. And that core Snap is um, a very thin Ubuntu runtime. So a very small shim of user space which also has SnapD uh, embedded inside it. So when you're running Brave at the moment, you actually have this very thin Ubuntu layer, and then the Snap sits on top of that. So effectively, it's an Ubuntu runtime that you're using alongside um, Solus. But what we're doing is we're going to introduce this concept of base Snaps. So the core snap will just become snapd and the bits that it needs. That, that will be the new core, so very, very small. And then the base snap will be that thin shim of runtime. So the default will be the Ubuntu uh, runtime. The default. The default, yeah. But we're going to add a facility in the YAML to say base colon solus. And if Ikey creates a base snap based on the Solus runtime, somebody could create a snap which is built on top of that Solus runtime. And when that snap is installed on Ubuntu, you would get that Solus base underneath. And then the application sitting on top. And this will be something that, you know, any of the uh, distros can do to create their own base snaps. And Ike can explain why he thinks this will be a useful feature.
2: Optimized, optimized libraries. It's going to be awesome, games and stuff. It's going to be great. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so, I just wanted to get that out.
1: I mean, it could mean, you know, it could also mean a lot of Ubuntu users now can have better libraries thanks to Solus, in a way. You Yeah, know I mean, or, or yeah, I mean like doing a
2: reverse Steam. But now I
1: don't need to switch. I don't need to switch to Solus. Yeah, it is a reverse Steam. It's mm-hmm. exactly a reverse Steam.
2: Uh, revenge yeah, is sweet
1: yeah that's good i can see <laughs> it i can see it and it could you could also see for the fedora project if there was something whatever was... it
0: made the most sense to build on top of or you were there's a
2: great it. angle for this as well i mean um it's
3: so travis
2: uh actually martin i'll let you talk about that
3: uh, what, what 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 do i know about travis <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, well i'm just saying oh. um travis like tools are say what's the other one coveralls and things like that uh invariably you end up with older stuff but say, like, um, at the moment, I'm having to use Docker to build some of my stuff in Tree because I don't want to use some of the online services because they're using, like, uh, Ubuntu Maverick and stuff like that. So instead of having, like, a, a heavyweight Docker image, which is going to take me about 10 to 15 minutes to build from a tarball of something, I would then be able to use my Solus Devel kind of snap sure. locally to build Budgie. And then I could use, like, the Ubuntu one to build it. So I could do all of my local tests. Without then having to go through VMs and heavyweight Docker and stuff, so yeah, yeah, that's something I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah, especially for something like Budgie as well, where you're using like four or five different GTK versions, it's going to be a godsend.
3: Yeah, and you know, I've 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 installed Solus on my EntroWare Apollo, and I'm able to do my day job on Solus now. Because I can snap install Docker and I can snap install Snapcraft and I can snap install Lex D. And although I'm sitting on top of Solus now, I can use all of the tools that I need from the you know, the Ubuntu world on this Solus system just fine.
0: That's exactly really, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. We're
3: converging.
1: Yeah, in in <laughs> And I suppose, in some ways, at, at, in you know, when I look, when I think about a lot of these applications, <clears throat> with some of the exceptions that uh, Wimpy just put out there, I a lot of the things that I would be using these for are applications that never have any interest in being in anybody's repo. They're never going to be in OBS. They're, they're it's just not what they're interested in. They, they develop in a paradigm that is Windows and Mac. And on Windows and Mac, you have your base OS, and then you just drop your application down on top of it. If you need your own libraries, you just include them, screw with the OS ships, here's your library, link to it, you're good to go, it's all in a bundle, and you drop it on the file system. And then when you do a new update, you just drop new versions of all that crap right over the old crap on the file system. And this is how they've done it for going on almost 30 years now. And uh there's some applications that even though that's changing, that's that's the culture in which they are created. That's where they come from. And they're never going to they're never going to work with the Solus maintainers to package it up. You know, like look at look at look at just all the applications out there that people are using these days. When you look at a desktop with Skype and Slack and all these different applications people use, these are just this This is just what happens when that kind of application starts coming to the Linux desktop. They're not going to just change their philosophy and start going to each distribution and say, please, sir, could you please distribute Slack for me? Could you please distribute this to your users, this new update? Could you please distribute it soon? Because it's a vulnerability and uh, we need it fixed and we we had to fix something on server side. So if you don't get this client code out there, we can't flip the server side. So could you please work over the weekend and push that out to all of your users, Mr. Debian Maintainer? Like that's just that's that's never ever going to happen
3: so i fix that
1: yeah so that's (laughs) why you know i don't think it's i agree with ike i don't think it's i don't think it's the biggest problem facing linux right now i really don't but i i do think it's uh where 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 we are converging it's making it easier for people to use linux as a platform to get their shit done and i think that's
2: really important Mm -hmm. I think that's the important part. There is now an emergent platform, something that hasn't happened for a long time. Yeah. If you look at any of the other operating systems, I mean, you look at the stack that's evolved on macOS, there's a very much an emergent platform there. Linux hasn't had one. You've had all these disconnected targets and toolkits and libraries and APIs and standards. And now all of a sudden, this thing is just starting to bubble up to the surface. It's like a common target, a common set of runtimes, a common set of expectations and you know, like uh, where does the kernel end and where does the distro begin? That's becoming very, very clearly defined now. So it's it's getting to a point now where we could say, okay, if we added more stuff to bring these developers across, it's it the deployment issue is basically gone. Mm. We have something we so can like solve one people. problem. Here's, before here's we what you them. can target. Here's
0: yeah. the world that you can live in you have reasonable expectations or any expectation
2: and i could yeah see- i mean now we can actually bend over for them you know bend over backwards <laughs> for these software de- uh, developers because before it's like oh well we can't have your application in because then that means we've got to go patch qt but that version of Qt is needed by that thing we couldn't possibly do that because our users you that. it's like now they can just say well i'm just going to do what i do on windows and ship this patch version of Qt with it we'll we're never gonna stop these people from doing that, but now they've got a way of doing that.
1: Yeah. Well and you know, what sounds like these proposed changes to sort of separate out the uh, the snap processes versus the base uh, um runtime area means it's not even an it's not even an Ubuntu solution anymore. It can just be a Linux solution, and if your Linux is Solus or your or your Linux is SUSE, you're good. <clears throat> so that's pretty great too. So before we go, before we wrap up, Ikey. You know yeah. I gotta, you gotta because you've just released a new version, my favorite question to always ask uh, 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 is, well, now what's next? <laughs> <Because> like, <laughs> you know, now, that you, now that you've just spent all of that time and effort getting that out the door, uh, you know, give me what's next, What's next? Come on, give me what's next.
2: Um, so there's a few things, okay? so there's an immediate work list to be done after. We call it the um, it's the meta list, the post-release Blues. <laughs> <laughs> one of the first things we got to do is slightly improve our basically our pipeline to make us go more faster that's one of the primary goals going forward um dropping some standard stuff like the older web kits and rebasing systemd you know the the boring stuff sure um but it's now it's the sort of the time where for Solus 4 we're going to be focusing on the oem enabling we're talking to people already and the installer is going to get split up to support an oem workflow which would be very, very good. Uh, Linux driver manager is actually going back into active development, which does mean the dynamic optimist GPU support will be coming this year. Mm -hmm. Hurrah! Um, Oh, I'm supposed to drop a bombshell, aren't I? Um, (laughs) We're all going to put weight behind the KDE Plasma stack this year as well. Oh, really? So that's getting brought up. Um, I am willing to permit an out-of-band release for KDE
1: Yes, that I'm looking forward to seeing that. I really am. I been. Yeah, I'm I mean, there's close. loads
2: of stuff coming this year, not just
1: Yeah, I saw too you, much. You, put, you basically put a chart up online that says, these are a lot of the things we're working on right now, and there's a lot of core yeah. infrastructure stuff you're working on.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's kind of been bugging me, like as a distribution, we say these are the rules for things that can come into our repos, you know, and sometimes not everyone has agreed with our reasons for things going into the repos. <laughs> But one of the things that's interested me is building the best-in-class pipeline. I'm interested in building something that's effectively a source-to-deployment pipeline. So once that tarball or sources or that stuff goes into the distribution, we're scanning at that level first before it goes anywhere else. So we're going to be doing static analysis, we um, even like uh, license calculations once it goes in. And then that's going to be tracking those build artifacts all the way through the repositories to the final image mm. so that we can basically track the entire distribution. We can say anywhere, you know, these are the problems, these are the things that we have to target so that we can actually say to people using Solus, you know, well, here's a bit of peace of mind, you know. So that's one of the things I personally want to be focusing on. But yeah, um, buggy good... 11 at some stage.
1: That's what everybody, so that's what's on everyone's mind. But it sounds like there's a lot of good core stuff getting worked on right now
2: i mean that's why i did budgie 10.4 but not i there was actually a load of us and a lot of it was uh stefan helping me there uh, like the new workspaces stuff and um, the new animations window that was all stefan 10.4 was kind of uh lts i would say because there was a lot of problems in the existing 10.3 release like if you had a bottom panel and you clicked the budgie menu sometimes it would appear down the bottom yeah. <laughs> sometimes it would start at the top um, so we rewrote that, put new Budgie popovers in. So the idea was to give me more time so that we didn't have to worry about Budgie 11 for a little bit longer, sure, you know, sure. so that people have a stable desktop to use day to day. Yeah, And a Budgie 11 can start that bit later.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that probably played. I think I, I that's kind of what I was like thinking to myself It's like this is this is getting sort of refined now. I'm I could probably throw this on a production machine and be comfortable yeah. for a while. So that's what I did.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of our goal, you know, get to the point where we can say, you know, this is a world-class OS that we're shipping. And that's the point we're getting to. So it's a bit of a journey. Uh, Lots of things are coming into place with the software center improvements. And, I mean, some of the most important things we're doing right now is collaborating with other projects and working outside of Solus. And I think that's very, very important to us and the rest of the Linux community.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like it's all been going pretty good and been kicking some ass. Mr. Wimpy, speaking of some of that cross collab, uh, speaking of cross collab, you're going to be at Odd Camp this coming weekend, correct? I am, yes. And you are doing a bit of a mashup show down there, aren't you?
3: We are, yeah. Tell, uh, tell about I it. think uh, so. We're going to do a live show on, I think, the Saturday evening, and Joe Ressington is organizing that. So it's a mashup of some of the late-night Linux podcasters and some of the Ubuntu podcasters. Uh, and we, we're going to do a live podcast uh, with a, a Q&A section.
1: That's awesome. In fact, I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, Joe's just put a call out for questions for Camp. They have a Google form that you can fill out with your question, or uh, you can go to their latenightlinux.com slash contact page and probably email it in uh, or tweet yeah, them, the ask URL o- is
3: latenightlinux.com forward slash ask yeah
1: or hashtag askog that's a good i like that yes yeah. we have we're using hashtag ask error right now for for user error ah. ask og is that's, that's good fun. we should have ask up Right? So yeah, uh, there you go. So With that, you can find links uh, in the show notes to that stuff. Also check out Wimpy on the Ubuntu podcast. Um, I'm going to be looking forward to that episode. Are you guys going to put it out in both of your feeds? How does that work?
3: Uh, In the past, we have done, I think. Uh, We don't do these sort of uh, cross-distro, (laughs) cross-podcast things very often. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I did one with the guys at Ubucon last year and we put that out on the Ubuntu podcast feed. Ah. Uh, So... Probably, yes. Yeah. Um, so, so so long as we don't make a Horlicks of it and, uh, and it goes well, then yeah, we'll publish it.
1: Yeah, I hope it's fun. I hope it's fun. Well, guys, great work. Thank you very much for uh, chatting with us about that. Uh, I have just a little Slackware follow up to do and uh, the best bug I've ever se- seen submitted. Uh, Simon sent it into the show and uh, we got to talk about it really quickly. I want to thank Ting, though. Uh, just Full stop right here. This is one of these sponsors I've been using now for years, and it's made a real difference. It's, it's so simple. I, I really don't have time to deal with complicated wireless stuff or really pay out the nose for stuff I don't use. And that's why I like Ting. It's $6 a month for your wireless. And then whatever you use, you just pay for So if you minutes and your messages and your megabytes, that's just – I don't use minutes, really. In fact, there's been months where I've not used a minute – not a minute. Now there are Whoa. months there are months where I use minutes. And I, I may use many of those minutes, but I gotta tell you it really averages out uh I'm saving about two thousand dollars a year every two years. So about a thousand dollars a year. Wow. You could you know average Ting Bill's about twenty three dollars per phone, but what's what's the reason why it's such a huge savings for me is uh I had two lines and I was paying I was paying probably after tax $140 a month for two phones. Um now we have three phones and i'm usually paying around 37-40 bucks a month
0: that's crazy yeah it's that's crazy
1: linux.ting.com i love it you pay for what you use nationwide coverage gsm and cdma and a dashboard that guess what goes for days they also have apps for your device and fantastic customer support linux.ting.com you got to go there to support the show and you get $25 in service credit if you bring a gsm or a, a CDMA a phone. That, they got Yep, they got a BYOD page check. Or if you just want to buy a new one from them, they'll give it $25 off the phone. Linux.ting.com.
0: Damn. You know, you're excited if you use the service. You're excited if you don't use the service.
1: Linux.ting.com. So, Slackware thoughts. You know, I, um, I, I, I didn't really expect to use it much after the show, Wes, to be honest with you. But, no, me either. You know, I sat down, and uh, it was on the machine that I was going to load with Gentoo, and I thought, well, you know, I never really got all the way. Like, I never felt like I didn't, you know, you I, at home. I was, I just, I didn't, ha- I didn't get to that point where I'm just using it to screw around. I was always in that mode for, like, reviewing it for the show. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought about it a little bit and I thought to myself, if if you go into Slackware and you don't you know, you're not expecting it to be Ubuntu, you know, you're not expecting it to to be soulless. You, you go in, you go in with that kind of mindset. It, it was a lot of fun to get my nostalgia on. But after after I got over the nostalgia aspect of it, which is kind of what I talked about the most last week, um, I realized that it, it reminded me of a of a different time where Linux was simpler and and a lot easier to just straight up understand just like I can see it, how it's all laid out right here. It makes a lot of sense to me and there's something else about it is it's, it's not that it's like raw Linux it's for better or for worse. Like if you're comfortable with the versions of software that Slackware has available and there's like Slack scripts and stuff to get newer stuff, like, you know, newer versions of Firefox, but like say you wanted like Apache and, um, you know a mail program like postfix and maybe a database and it just didn't need to be super super current stuff. It's just something you wanted in your house to like serve your favorite links up and you wanted a mysqL database for the back end for your photo management program or whatever uh, Slackware is kind of perfect because it's 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 an era of Linux where you could install it it's like it's so much like arch except for without. Nothing like ours. Like you can ins- <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, I, I struggle to relate that.
1: Because you can install it and then you can literally not come back to it for two years. And if in two years, after not even touching this box, you log in and all of a sudden you want to install a new package, it's fine. It's it's totally fine. It's not a big deal. If you want to, if you even, and you've maybe, maybe, maybe been some updates to Slackware, like maybe a point release, maybe an update to Slackware, but probably not. Like, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's a kind of computing we no longer have access to mm-hmm. because all of our devices either constantly are getting abandoned by the vendor or need to be updated. It's either or. Uh, my Chromecast, I use it so rarely that I swear every damn time I turn it on, I have to wait 10 minutes while it updates every single time. You know, my, my set-top box on my TV updates every single month. It is, it's just this non-stop, let us improve that experience for you. And often the experience is not improved. And there really is something to be said for this time. And I remember it in Linux where there was just so much time between releases. Software moved slower. It just moved slower. And, and you could install a Debian box and let it just sit in a closet and nothing had really changed on it. And that's what Slackware represents, that time that we have lost access to in almost all aspects of our life. And and I wouldn't necessarily want to live there. right? But I could see, like, if I just had a utility box sitting in the corner, hosting up some websites for my LAN, and I, it didn't need to be a big deal.
0: It's... And you didn't want to make it a, a big old project. Or,
1: like, you know, like, you set it up once, you got involved with it, you
0: understood how everything worked, and, yeah, you come back to it. There wasn't a whole lot of extra stuff that will suddenly show up or change or...
1: There's a real sense of ownership there. Yeah, right exactly. So I could I could totally see the long-term appeal to But you to get Slack the fun
0: word. of like an arch system where you're piecing it together yourself but yeah. where you don't have to That's what it is. constantly yeah. read a blog yeah. to make sure that you're not going to break your system.
1: That is what it is. Um, so here's uh, this was sent into the show by Simon and this is my favorite uh, this is my favorite bug of the week. It was submitted to Dimitri by Dimitri and uh, it's over on the uh, Ubuntu mailing list as a bug and he has a question. He says the subject is Y2K100 bug. Is it reasonable to expect the below that the Ubuntu uh, version numbers below will be accurate in uh, tw- in April 2100 it's going to be Ubuntu 100.04 LTS but in April of the year 3000 It's going to be 1,000.04.LTS, which obviously wouldn't make any sense since it's the year 3,000. So you have, you know, obviously there's a a numbering problem here, a very important problem that Dimitri brings up. And so the the Ubuntu development team took a a long, hard look at this bug, and uh, they came back with uh, what I think is a pretty solid answer. And I'm imagining they're going to just go ahead and consider this one resolved. Uh, The answer from the Ubuntu team is the world will have been obliterated by nuclear war and biochemical warfare. By then, so no need to worry about it.
4: <laughs> well, I feel <laughs> way more assured.
1: You know, you sometimes there's just little things you don't have to worry about.
4: <laughs> it does make you wonder how they know about that ahead of time. Yeah, <laughs> what are they planning?
1: I wonder if it's like uh, the Apple stuff where they don't. You know, at Apple they have like you can't use iTunes uh, at a, at a nuke base. Like I wonder if Ubuntu has that in the terms of service. Maybe they Snap don't install Warhead. <laughs> Uh, anyways thank you everybody for coming in the mumble room but specifically thank you to Wimpy and Ikey for being there thank you to our regulars for making it this week even though there wasn't a lot of time for everybody I see you I appreciate you guys making it to the mumble room too I hope you can join us next week I may or may not be here depending on how crazy that eclipse is that could be it could be the the lost episode for me we'll see but uh, if I do make it why don't you join us? We'll do it live over at JBLive.tv at 2 p.m. Pacific. You can get that converted from JB time to your time at JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar. Reddit.com is the subreddit. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash context, the way to get us. And the network is at Jupiter Signal, at Jupiter Signal. That's where you find it. Thanks for joining us. let's unleash the hounds jbtitles.com let's pick our title before we go did you want to toss anything else development wise going on we're thinking about having uh reoccurring development meetings we should maybe mention that so uh at, in discord dot is it discord.me slash jupiter colony yep that'll be getting set up over there for uh, more developer particip- participation but was there anything else we want to mention development wise
4: right no? so so what is it beardsley uh, we have a, a, a Jupiter dev channel on the Discord now. That's cool. a thing, yeah. And uh, I was talking with uh, one of the, the developers that's helped out on JBot in the past, and uh, he's uh, he's kind of thinking about leading a... a uh, we haven't decided how often, maybe weekly, maybe monthly, uh, like a development meetup for the JB community. Really? To work on, on JB projects. In, in Discord? Uh, yeah. So probably some mix of... Voice chat and text chat. Sweet. And um, it was partially spurred on by the fact that we're kind of toying with the idea of maybe completely rewriting j Ooh,
1: that's exciting.
4: <laughs> of course. Every open source project
1: eventually gets to this point. <laughs>
4: yeah, well, there's a lot of inherited crap, and uh, we kind of need to just dump all of that to be able to expand what we want jbot to do so you're so, saying it's
1: going to be rebuilt better than ever
4: yep you have the technology i heard we're going we're to rebuild it better faster stronger
1: but what
0: are you going to build it with
4: uh probably still going to be ruby
1: if you would have said rust i think you would have had a lot <laughs> of people excited
4: maybe we'll go crazy maybe we'll do elixir i was going to say yeah elixir i think you should <laughs> i hear great Ridden things about scene. phoenix yeah there you go yeah
1: i noticed that a new bug was opened i think it was a new bug was opened up on the soundboard we're getting we're trying to get a few more things fixed on yeah, the soundboard
4: i want to get uh basically uh state saving per action for the soundboard oh yes 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 that yes. way if it crashes you don't lose all your all your or setup. the machine
1: yeah, yeah. or the machines that's running on crashes which yeah. has been the case uh, Mumble Room, I love you guys. Thank you, guys. Speaking
4: of the uh, the soundboard, mm-hmm. since uh, you have Snap on, on Solus now, you can install the soundboard.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. I might. Why is your soundboard not portable?
1: <laughs> it is in the AUR. <laughs>